County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live or on QATV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, and now also in high definition channel 507. In-person seating at tonight's meeting will be limited to accommodate social distancing guidelines. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We acknowledge your participation and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens may also join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment, or you can email your comments to public comment at qac.org. We will accept all comments up until the end of the meeting. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period at, at the end of the evening's agenda. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn off all electronic devices and hold any personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If we can remain standing for a moment of silence, last night, early today, uh, the county lost another citizen to an overdose, so we can keep that family in, in our prayers. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, we just held a closed session under Section 3-305B7 of the General Provisions Article to consult with Council and under Section 305B1 to discuss personnel and boards and commissions. And I believe we did reach consensus on the uh, support of the panel that interviewed uh, for the position of the Director of Planning and Zoning. We have a candidate we'd like to make an offer to, and we would, we'll be uh, moving forward with the um, um, hiring program with the uh, Department of Human Resources. And I'll make a motion that we support the recommendations of the selection panel and authorize the Director of Human Resources to, mo to move forward with the hiring process. Second. The motion is second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Hopefully we'll have a, an official announcement in the near future. Okay. Secondly, we, um, we reviewed uh, the uh, motives and the, uh, the uh, necessary requirements for the hiring freeze. And uh, based on the positive, better forecasted economic uh, horizon, uh, fiscal 20 looks good and 21 is looking fairly well going forward. We wanted to reach consensus to uh, lift the hiring freeze. I'll make a motion that uh, we suspend the hiring freeze at this time. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. One opposed? 
Marge, you got the motion? Good. Thank you. Okay. okay four to one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, commissioners. And lastly, we had um, uh, entertain a motion to appoint Linda Kohler to the Spending Affordability Committee. I hereby move to appoint Linda Kohler to the Affordability Commission. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, commissioners. All right, the agenda for today's meeting, October 13th, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your September 22nd meeting, along with the Roads Board and Sanitary Commission meeting minutes from September 8th, were all distributed electronically for your review. Any additions or corrections? Just to add uh, to the agenda, add desk items 10 and 11. Okay. Action items, I'm sorry. Motion to approve as amended. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. We will now go to our first um, press and public comment period. Uh, thank you for taking the time to express your views to the County Commissioners during the public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely, and we ask as a courtesy to the board and to our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. Okay. Uh, first one to sign up is Mr. Goodhart. May I remember that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, my name is Adam Goodhart. I'm a resident of Centerville for um, 17 years, right here a couple blocks from the courthouse. I'm also a professor of history at Washington College, um, and I've worked in historic preservation for a long time, including as a member of the uh, Maryland Historical Trust's Commission on the National Register, appointed by uh, Governor Hogan. So I'm sort of coming at this from a number of angles, but most of all I'm coming um, at this from a citizen of Queen Anne's County who loves our historic County and who, like a lot of people here, I think, was walking past the courthouse the other day, and I'm sure this happened to some of you as well, just looked at it and said, wow, this building looks incredible with the historic red brick exposed. It looks like the colonial era building um, that it is. It looks like the gem that it is. And suddenly it sort of made the whole town square pop a little bit in the way that that red brick also reflected the brick of the um, newer buildings like this one, like the new courthouse, like some of the historic buildings on either side of the, of the square. Um, so I wasn't the only one who felt this way. There were lots and lots of people um, in the county who feel this way. Um, just this morning, um, there was a petition started. I started a petition on change.org that now already has over 400 signatures. It was kind of remarkable. Um, I also have been in touch with a, um, an expert who uh, specializes in historic buildings, historic masonry, and who's worked on dozens of 18th century structures for decades. And he said from the pictures that I sent him that the masonry looks like it's in remarkably good condition. Um, that looks like when they built the courthouse back in the 1700s, they used really the best quality bricks at the time, really tight masonry joints. You can actually see the original grape vining in the masonry joints. It was built to last, and it was built for that masonry to be part of the showplace that uh, our forebears intended for that courthouse to be. Um, he also said that he thought it would um, not be a big issue to leave that um, brick exposed. In fact, um, 
it's uh, something that might cost the county, uh, end up saving the county money and the taxpayers money in the um, short and the long term. Um, it's uh, something that I think, you know, in terms of sprucing up our historic district, making this a place where tourists want to come, where citizens feel proud to go, it's actually a pretty inexpensive thing that we can all do to turn this uh, gem really into this uh, symbol of civic pride and county history that it can be. So um, with that, I, I also just want to mention that um, there are a couple of methods that I could tell you about um, for preserving that brick. I won't take up time with that right now. I'd be happy to consult in any way possible and um, to coordinate with the Maryland Historical Trust as well if needed. So thanks for your consideration. If you haven't looked at the courthouse yet, I hope you'll take the opportunity on the way out of this meeting. Absolutely. Thank you. Mr. Worth. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Sam Worth. Uh, um, I'm here also to speak about the uh, historic courthouse. Um, last weekend, I noticed that the paint had been stripped from the um, brick on the old courthouse, and I thought it looked better that way, so I took a photograph and posted it on Facebook as a conversation starter. I never expected to get such a positive response to the idea of leaving the courthouse unpainted. Um, as Adam mentioned, a petition was started just this morning um, and has over 400 signatures. Uh, also been a lot of positive comments um, on the post on Facebook. So I wanted to make sure there was, there was not some historical reason to be, that it had to be painted white again. Um, so I went on the um, Maryland Historic Trust website and looked up Orlando Rideout survey of the courthouse. Although it did not discuss what, when it was painted, I did find out that it was, um, the courthouse was added onto, a significant addition was made in 1876. Well, that happens to be the same year that my house was built um, as a school, and it was also built of brick, um, probably by the low bidder, um, and maybe even used the same bricks. Now, the bricks on my house have never been painted, and they've held up well for the last 150 years. It reminded me why I chose to live in a house of brick in the first place. They're much lower cost to maintain. Um, I know it could be difficult to turn this ship around, but I would like you commissioners to at least put on hold the repainting project until the possibility of leaving it unpainted can be evaluated. You might find that leaving it unpainted will be less expensive in the long term. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I had to stand up. Would anybody else like to speak at this time? Uh, we do have a Zoom. Okay. I'll turn this over to you, Bruce. We'll go to Elaine Studley. Can you all hear me? Yes, we yes. can. I decided not to walk the two blocks. <laughs> uh, my name is Elaine Studley. I live in Centerville at 201 South Liberty. I am your neighbor, and I'm the director of the Queen Anne's County Legacy Foundation. I would like to start with a moment of gratitude for the stunning progress on the courthouse square. Um, with 400 people in a tiny town to engage in a joyful conversation about how beautiful our courthouse, uh, it, it was a good day. It made it a good day for me. The mission of the Queen Anne's County Legacy Foundation is community building, cultural tourism, and historic branding. I'm not, unlike Adam, I am not an historian, I'm an MBA. I try and learn a little more about every day about our history, and then I wake up the next morning still an MBA and still worried about our central economy. Economic vision, like all vision, is all about knowing what your greatest gifts are and then sharing them. Our greatest gift as a, central, as a central town economy is our courthouse and our stunning square. They are both architecturally perfect. 
Visitors in the arts, tourism, history, culture, and architecture will respond viscerally and emotionally this, to this square. Cultural tourism naturally suits Queen Anne's County and particularly suits Centerville. The cultural tourist is a history buff, a museum and a concert goer, an eco-tourist and an environmentalist. They are our, our forever tourists. They are tourists who will naturally return again and again. Economic vision is in taking our greatest asset and in making it shine to share. The natural courthouse, <laughs> this one's hard to say, but the natural state of the courthouse rips out my heart, right out of my chest, as an artist, a marketer, and as an MBA. Uh, when my daughter was looking for a judicial clerkship after law school, I took a picture of our courthouse, a digital picture, and I did a little digital magic with it. I put Jackie's name on the street sign right in front of the courthouse, and I tried to convince her she owned it. It worked. Like me, she fell in love with the courthouse, too. Even if no one ever sets foot inside our courthouse, it is still an economic, artistic, and historic superstar. Perfection in art is rare. Imperfection is actually the hallmark of genius. I urge you to keep our natural facade, our imperfection, and our genius to share for decades to come with our cultural tourists. Please preserve our courthouse as it is. Natural brick rocks in every way, economic, artistic, and historic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Len. And that's all for our Zoom. We do have some emails, but I believe we're waiting till the end. We can do it at the end. Very good. And then we'll close press and public comment and move on. All right. All right, commissioners, moving on. Under uh, new business, we have uh, the Department of Public Works. So first up, I think we have a presentation. So we have the um, presentation of the Masonic plaque for the new courthouse, I believe. And I'll ask, uh, you coming up, Lee, or just Chris? Chris, you want to present that? Chris? Sure. Mr. Chris Thank Schwenk, you. okay. Um, my name is Chris Schwenk. I was the master of the Masonic Lodge here in town and then organized with the Grand Lodge to have the court dedication. And I have a plaque to present to the commissioners in hopes that they can put it in the courthouse. However, the reason the plaque was not presented when the courthouse was dedicated was because it had changed times several due to weather and all. So I have the plaque from myself and the Grandmaster at the time, Gus Warvelis, um, just on the occasion of the dedication of the courthouse, which they did originally was supposed to be October 27th of 2018, and then they moved it to April of 2019, and I honestly forgot about the plaque after that. <laughs> so, um, so if I could, I'd just like to present this to you guys and do as you wish to hang it in the courthouse or whatnot. Thank you very much. Excellent. We appreciate your patience. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. No, it's okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, moving on. We have the, uh, if you want to convene as the roads board, we have some roads board business. And uh, Shane Moore, Chief Reds Engineer, is here. Motion to convene as a Roads Board. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 There we go. Okay, first up is a petition petition to abandon a portion of Kent Narrows Way South. Can I get a motion on that? I move to schedule a public hearing to abandon a portion of Kent Narrows Way South. Second. We have a motion and a second. This discussion time. Shane, give us 
let, let the public know what you're claiming here. Sure. Mr. Schultz has submitted a petition to basically for the county to abandon um, about 120 feet of the end portion of Kintner's Way South. Um, and that property would be transferred to him as part of his uh, la the last parcel on that road for his future development. Um, in exchange for the road becoming his, the existing uh, riprap and bulkhead system that's there would become his to maintain in perpetuity. Okay. Any other discussion? Yeah. I, I would like to hear from staff if there are any consequences to this. Uh, you know, I just have no idea about the turnaround and yeah. the value of the thing. And I, 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 I wonder if that would happen during the hearing. I mean, would we, okay. we want to well, try there, now? I mean, there currently is no turnaround. The, the road dead ends, the right of way dead ends at his property. Um, people that tra traverse down there now either turn around in the nearest parking lot or, or his parking lot. We would uh, work with him, uh, uh, with Pat Thompson, to legally figure out a way that um, by doing this, that they, he would. In, continue to allow traffic to enter that property and turn around existing uh, situation and any future development that would happen on that parcel. So we would not like to see a, a, a cul-de-sac, for instance, <coughs> installed at the end of the road. That would take up a lot of space. Um, but however, it would continue down dead end on his property and then people would simply drive on and use the parking lot to- Does it stay a road in perpetuity? Excuse me? Does it stay a road in perpetuity? Uh, no, the road the road will dead end um, at, per your the plans that you've been submitted. The the road will be shortened by 120 feet. So that would turn into <coughs> his parcel space. to use the way he wants. However, legally he would still allow, be required to allow traffic to enter his property and turn around in the parking lot and come back out. The traffic flow would have to work that way in his design. Okay. And is all that language uh, put in? as part of the language of the public hearing, that the public knows what that transference is going to look like? We would like need or? to figure that out with Pat Thompson, exactly how that would work in the hearing process and how that would, what legal document would have to be signed for that to happen. Okay. We have abandoned uh, a portion of Foreman's Landing Road in Wine Mills, and in exchange for that, we required a cul-de-sac to be built. Um, could kind of, we couldn't really do that in this situation. There just is not enough right-of-way. There's not enough land. So we'd like to see, it lends itself more to a parking lot type. You enter it, you would go around the parking spots and come back out, just like someone using his facility. Whichever. Does it still need, since there's buildings down there, would it still need access for emergency vehicles? It would be like it is right now. They would they would go down and they would enter it through a parking lot. Right, but, but now, now that parking lot's going to be, I guess, I guess I just look at that, the parking lot's now going to be 120 feet longer because the road's going to be 120 feet shorter. The road will be 120 feet shorter, but any parking lot design that comes up will have to handle an emergency vehicle to, to get on. They can go in and loop all the way back and Right, around. yes. I'm that's what I'm saying. So there will always be access for emergency vehicles. Yes. Okay. All right. Any other discussion? Seeing none, we have a motion to schedule a public hearing. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Item two on page five is a deed of dedication for Bishop's Meadow Phase 2. Can I get a motion to accept that? I move to execute the deed of dedication for Bishop's Meadow Phase 2 subdivision. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? What's the length of that road, do you know? Ooh, off the top of my head, um, I do not know the... This is an extended portion. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it's only several hundred feet. Yeah. Any other discussion? Seeing none, uh, we are voting to move to execute the deed of dedication for Bishop's Meadow Phase 2 subdivision. 
All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item three on uh, page 17 is a, oops, excuse me. Item three on page 11 is another deed of dedication for Hayden Estates Road. I move to execute the deed of dedication for Hayden Estates Subdivision. Second. We have a motion and second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, and lastly, item four on page 17 is another deed of dedication. This is for an administrative subdivision of Nancy Reese for a portion of Blanco Road. I get a motion on that. I move to execute the deed of dedication for the administrative subdivision of Nancy F. Reese. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. That's all we had for the Roads Board. You want to? Um, okay, never mind. What? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, we, need, we now need to convene as the Sanitary Commission. Motion to convene as Sanitary Commission. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. There we go. Okay, and item number five in your book on page 24 is the systematic replacement of fleet equipment containers. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to purchase four four-yard containers from Mid-Atlantic Waste of Eastern Maryland to the amount of 26646 via the NJPA source well contract number 041217-WQI. Second. We have a motion to second. Any discussion on this item? This is just that, I mean, these are the big, huge yeah. dumpsters that our transfer stations use to the 40-yard containers that uh -huh. throw into and then are trucked off, yes. So they get rusted and, and old and can't be... We replace four every year. Uh, we've, we've replacing these a little early because prices will go up after the first of the year. Okay. So we want to go ahead and get it in now. Thank you. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, item number six on page 30 is a tower antenna lease agreement. This would be on the tower that was constructed by the Four Seasons developer for our citizens. And Alan, can I get a motion on that? I move to execute the lease with AB Indian LLC, or I'm sorry, Indiana LLC, trading locally as Bridge Max to allow for the placement of antennas on the Four Seasons water tower. Second. We have a motion to second. Any discussion? Yeah, what, who, who gets the rent off? The, what's going on with this deal? I'll get it. Yes, sir. Uh, it goes to the sanitary district. He gets actually deposited into as a water revenue to maintain the towers. Okay. How many other, uh, this, is, this is one company, they get the rights to the whole tower? Or? No, no, no. So Not at all. They get, is, it, is it by antennas? How, I mean, how do you, how you, how do you price something with somebody wanting to, you know? Um, it's pretty wide open, actually. Okay. Right. Um, for, for cell towers, you're more concerned about what, how much land they take, how much land they physically take up in their containers. That's what you charge them more than the antennas. Okay. So we get a, it's quite lucrative the cell phones, but these, from our point of view, it's a public service to allow them to do it. We don't, we don't generate hardly any revenue off the Wi-Fi. So the space they're taking up is 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent. I'd say 10 percent. 10 percent. Okay. Good. Any other questions? 
Seeing none, this, uh, this is a motion to execute the lease with AB Indiana LLC trading Loki as Bridgemax to allow for the placement of antennas on the Four Seasons Water Tower. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Item 7 on page 58 is a, a series of public works agreements for the allocation recapture. This is for time extensions. There are three of those. Could I get a motion on those? I move to execute the amendments to the Chester Haven Beach, Mears Point Marina, and Perry's Retreat Public Works Agreement to allow for the time extensions as requested by the de de excuse me, developers. Second. second. Just okay. for the sake of... We have a motion and a second. Uh, discussion. Just for the sake of discussion. Fire away. Okay. So, um, now I can't be sure where I heard this, but I was under the impression that Mears Point Marina wasn't moving forward with any kind of... No, they are. Yeah. So I was at the September 8th meeting, uh, and uh, actually this was the uh, Planning Commission took this up also uh, and, and also agreed to these extensions. Uh, but yes, Mears is actively looking for someone. Uh, Chester Haven Beach and, and um, the third one, Perry's uh, Retreat, Perry's Retreat mm -hmm. all were kind of putting their eggs in a basket of COVID-19. Yeah, so, well, two of them did. Correct. So you know, everybody seemed to agree, okay, you know, we're going to allow this one last time because, I mean, they're at the point where at the end of this, they either pay or they lose. Correct. So, you know, it's just an extension for Okay. So. I remember the conversations. Yep. Two of the agreements was to extend for six months when they had to make their second deposit. Right. Chester Haven Beach, they went ahead and made their deposit and had, physically had their deposit. They just wanted another year on the tail end of the agreement before they right. had to start construction. Right. Any other discussion? We are voting to execute the amendments to the Chester Haven Beach, Mears Point Marina, and Perry's Retreat Public Works Agreement to allow for time extensions as requested by the developers. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So move 5-0. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 8 on page 67 is the uh, Phase 2 Septic Tank Effluent Tank Installation Construction Bids for Ski Phase 2 Tower Gardens. Hard to believe we're there already, but... Um, can I get a motion on that, please? I move that we conditionally award the construction bid of the Southern Kent Island Phase 2 step installation to Hopkins Construction in the amount of $4,410,575, with the condition being that the review and approval of the bid by the Maryland Department of Environment, and also I authorize the Director of Public Works to execute the agreement once any necessary submittals and approvals are in place. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? What was the original budgeted number for this? Um, about 3.8, actually. So we're, we're above it? A little bit. And how are we on the phase one? We're doing good. Good. Both uh, two of the three contracts came in a million dollars under, so we've got that in the bank, so to speak. I suspect yeah. the tank installation is going to be probably 600 over. So a net positive of 1.4. Just COVID-related, you think, now? No. No? Nothing. Just well, actually, it was. It's taken me this long to get to this point because MDE has not returned to their offices since March, and it, they delayed me at least five months to get this bid out on the street. So in that regard, yes. Okay. Mm. And, Are they uh, back in the office now? I don't believe so. Oh. <laughs> well, that's okay. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved, 5 -0.
Okay, thank you, Commissioners. And our last item for Public Works tonight, uh, item 9 on page 69, is a um, health department emergency generator bid using the CARES Act funding. Can I get a motion on that, please? Move that we award the procurement and installation of a 300-kilowatt emergency generator to Fresh Air Concepts in the amount of $202,911 utilizing CARES Act funding. Second. We have a motion and a second discussion. The only thing I thought and I, uh, was uh, on this bid, mm -hmm. uh, we, the county enacted uh, a policy four years ago where residents, uh, resident businesses can get up to, I think, a 10%. Was it? Mm -hmm. 10. Was it 10? Yeah. yeah. So is, is Fresh Air Concepts in county or out of county? And does that matter because it's CARES money? I that's the question I would ask. It doesn't matter because it's CARES money. Typically, if, it, if the funding source is not 100% county, the local vendor does not apply. Okay. Then I'm going to leave that. Yeah, and I think it stipulates that, like, if we got federal grant money. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Just, that's fine. That's great. Okay. Any other discussion? And is this to replace an existing generator? Or small one. A there's small a, there's one. like a 30 kW there. It all, okay. Really, all it does is uh, keeps the uh, vaccine refrigerators and freezers going. Gotcha. Okay. And it'll be taken away. Any other comments? All right. We're moving to award the procurement and installation of a 300-kilowatt emergency generator to Fresh Air Concepts in the amount of $202,911 utilizing CARES Act funding. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. You want to? Thank you, Commissioners. That's all we had for public works, unless you want to. Let's take five minutes and talk about the courthouse. Okay. Why we've got our esteemed guest here. We, we have a Lee Egger here, who's an eight-hour expert on this topic. Right. Our eight-hour expert. <laughs> I, I did bring an exhibit for each of you. Very good. Uh, to provide you some additional insight and information as you consider. Oh, yeah. It's better than the what to do with looking on the phone. Grand old lady. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Okay, look at this box. Really? What I provide you, Commissioners, is a set of three photographs that have been captured. A couple are real photo postcards and another black and white image reflecting what the circuit courthouse looked like around 1900, 1920, and around 1930, approximately. Uh, it appears that the latest photographs we can find of the courthouse date back to the late 1800s. I uh, just wanted to provide you a little bit of insight. Uh, as you know, you had uh, kindly approved to paint the circuit courthouse, was in need of a freshening up, and you approved that earlier this year. Some of that work has necessitated removal of, chemical removal of the paint from the front of the building, which yielded the bare brick that generations have not seen, perhaps uh, more than 200 years. Uh, we're not quite sure, but the question has come up, what would be the right thing to do? I've spent quite a bit of time today researching a little bit more on the history of the courthouse and some of the options, because whatever you would like to do in the direction we should take, one decision will need to be made this week with regard to providing guidance to our contractor to, to stop work, we're going to look at this some more or keep moving forward. Because if the courthouse is to be painted this year, we need to keep rolling forward with that. Otherwise, it will sit in this state until spring. 
Um, what you have with the photographs there, as best we can tell, as, as one of the speakers has alluded, there have been additions to the courthouse over time, a, a few major ones in the 1800s, the last of which in the 1870s. As you can see from the photographs you have there, if you actually look closely, all those photographs, the courthouse is white, but not the bright white that you are accustomed to. Reason being that at some point just prior to World War II was the first time that white paint had been applied to the entire courthouse. Prior to that date, by all appearances, both from some sections of uh, the courthouse that we looked at that had been covered over, and in the photographs, you notice that there's a difference in color between the bright white wood trim uh, look there at the very top of, of the building there around the eagle, the bright white trim, in stark contrast to a darker color of the masonry. And that's because the masonry at that time was whitewashed or lime washed, which was a common practice uh, for centuries to preserve. protect and preserve masonry. And the, the benefit of a lime wash is that it basically seals off rainwater the majority of it, some of it will permeate in, but it permits the brick to breathe. And so thereby you avoid rot and mildew and really it keeps airflow through the structure. Um, as far as options go, one of the things that uh, we do have the plan with this contractor to paint the building if you decide to do something different, and uh, believe me, we've had a lot of phone calls and discussions today, uh, including a fellow from uh, here in Maryland who's worked with Colonial Williamsburg and Jamestown and various places on masonry structures. In fact, he is a, mace, he is a master brick mason, and he provides some very unique guidance with regard to options and possibilities on lime wash and such. But the common denominator between our architect, Greg Torchio, and some internal discussions is that historically, this courthouse, as far as we know, has always been some form of white. We do recognize the, perhaps the benefit of highlighting the difference between the trim and the masonry, and that could potentially be obtained by doing a, a lime wash, which is a possibility, um, or we, we could apply the paint. But whatever that case is, the decision would need to be made here this week if we are to not paint it and research the matter further with regard to additional work. It would be at additional time and cost, but I am understanding that there are modern methods of lime washing which would provide 20 years plus before it, uh, the next application would need to occur. Um, Lee, why, why does the decision by this board need to be made this week? Today's Tuesday, so we have three days left. Well, is that the contractor says, look, probably have I a little work I can be doing? Or? We've had a difficult time with this contractor to begin with. So, but so far, we are on a con contractual high ground with him. So if we don't, if we like give him any wiggle room to uh, claim delay or something, we, we lose that contractual high ground. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do that. That's your decision. I do not see this contractor doing any lime whitewashing on the building. So, contractual high ground, are you referencing the, the price in which we got no, the job done for? No. We, okay. we, uh, well, you don't have to go into detail. I just wonder if it was a money no, issue. 
No. Well, it will be a money issue. There's no question that it will cost more to change course. Of that, is a, that's a certainty. Okay. Now, whether it doesn't save money over the next 50 years, I can't speak to that if you were to leave it white. Of course, the other fund I find perversely amusing is the reason we got in this predicament is the contractor didn't do what he was supposed to, and we required him to strip the building, and now here we are. Say that again? He, the contractor did not follow the specifications, but we required him to strip the building, the paint that he put on without that he shouldn't have put on, and that's what revealed the brick, and here we are today. So, Let me ask a question. Is there a, does EPW or you folks have any recommendation as to the health of the building if it reverted to natural brick or if it was reverted, you know, you talk about lime and paint, but what happens if nothing? Well, that, that's something that we would have to research and, and look into to, to state with certainty. The, the initial take that I'm hearing is that if the brick and the mortar is in good shape, it may be okay. But I, I think before we could really answer that question with certainty, we would have to research that matter to know, you know what would be best for preserving that brick and that envelope. Well, we, we had a citizen, Mr. Goodhart, who testified that, that uh, somebody of qualification took a look at it and, and, and said that it's in great shape, and it's probably in great shape because it was lime-coated um, and, and probably... <laughs> I just think it's crazy how we got here today. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the confusing part is the decision has to be made well, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be made, but you're opening yourself up to issues with the current contractor. Not insurmountable issues, but issues. Well, one of the questions I asked earlier and asked a couple times is, how long has this building been white? And you've given us three pictures. The oldest one is circa 1900, and the building is it's white. white. <laughs> so for a minimum of three generations, the building has been white. And the old Johnny Cash song, the oldest courthouse, is white. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand that the red brick looks nice, but you get up close on that building, and the red brick doesn't look that nice. It would have to be sandblasted, and then you, you're, you're degradating the brick. You know, I mean, I'm a mason. Uh, there's a reason that whitewash went on there, and it's to protect that. And... Mr. Wilson and I toured the inside of that building, and I couldn't find mold or moisture anywhere in that building, which is unbelievable for a building that old. So I, I for one, would like to see it stay the, what it stayed for four generations so that we don't lose that iconic landmark. I understand the brick, but everything there is brick. So that white courthouse stood out and does still stand out, and it's preserved, and we have our plans are to keep it as an operating courthouse. So I'd like to, and that's just my opinion. I'd like to leave it just the way it is. And, you know, I understand the public sees it and they like it, but, you know, the reality of it is nobody can tell us when the last time anybody saw any of those red brick. So that's, that's right. I remember I when they built it, it was white. <laughs> there you go. There it is. So, All right, so, so do you need a general consensus from us today, or is this... What, what, well, at this moment, unless somebody's going to make a motion, at this moment, it, sure. the project moves on to what is specified, and to, unless somebody Courthouse wants to make a motion to say, no, let's committee involved. study it, review it, or make yeah. it red brick. Oops. 
So, I mean, I would, well, just a suggestion. I mean, we have a courthouse committee that yeah. did a great job on the other courthouse. So if huh? we throw it back to them and make, I mean, they're still intact as far as I know. Throw okay. it back to them and let them mull it over. At least that's somebody that's dealt with the other one. And, and we did receive an email from them that they like, that would like us to consider letting them take a look at or hash it out. How soon can they get back to us? Obviously, time is an issue. Well, and on track to high ground or not, time is an issue. And we're losing the weather window as well. And the weather issues. So how soon could, do, do you think that they could get back to us? Todd uh, would have to reach out to him, I guess. Sir. Okay. Um, Direct our county administrator to get with the courthouse committee. and Okay, so by conference call so, or Zoom. I mean, sure. they could they yeah, do yeah, it yeah. within 48 yeah. hours. Right. Say that again? I said they could do it by conference call or Zoom within 48 hours. Right. Before okay. the end of the week, I would think. All right, so we'll have an answer for, for you by the end of the week. Yes? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Very good. Very good. Good. Hey, thank you for all your research. Yes. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> you didn't know now you your kids can write a paper taking, for school. Taking history <laughs> class. <laughs> all right. Thank you, gentlemen. We will get the courthouse conv committee convened and get their viewpoint on the courthouse coloring. All right, commissioners, I'd like you to turn to the presentation section of the book. Um, we have one quick hearing, Jim. proclamation 15. Uh, for Girl Scout, Caroline. Hey, Todd, do we want to go with the hearings that are scheduled? At, um, or you got a whole bunch of people here right just, now? Just one okay. quick proclamation. Okay. Um, okay. I think uh, this, this particular Girl Scout has to get home and do some schoolwork on the Zoom class, so okay. we don't want her to be late for school. All right. <clears throat> How would you so pronounce could that she name? come in, uh, please? Come on in. Would you pronounce it? All right. All right, uh, tab six, item okay. I, page one. Then you can always ask. You can sit down. Go ahead. Again. Okay. Getting a little crowded. And you can take your mask off since you're sitting there. Okay. And it's 6.15, so I'll say good evening. Good evening to you, too. And how do you pronounce your last name? Um, it's Hazuda. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Commissioner Dumino has a proclamation, and he's going to read. Great. Uh, whereas... Uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. Proclamation 20-47. Whereas Girl Scouts, Girl Scout Carolyn Hazuda, a member of the Ambassador of Girl Scout Troop 1335 of Centerville, Maryland, was recognized October 6, 2020, by the Maryland Institute for Emergency Medical Services Systems for her project called Centerville Heartbeat Initiative. And whereas Girl Scout Caroline Hazuda, a senior at Queen Anne's County High School, pursued her Girl Scouting Gold Award, the highest rank in Girl Scouting, by raising funds and community awareness to install two automated external defibrillators, also known as AEDs, at St. Paul's Episcopal Church and White Marsh Park. Whereas Girl Scout Condos that held friends and family CPR workshops that included the church family at St. Paul's and invited uh, referees and coaches from the Queen Anne's Parks and Recreation Association as a service project educational component of the Gold Award. And whereas the Maryland Institute for Emergency Medical Services Systems theme for this year is the right care when it counts and is the award that identifies youth in Maryland who have demonstrated steps to take in an emergency or ways to better prepare for an emergency, and whereas the county commissioners take special pride in such an important achievement by young citizens of Queen Anne's County and feel positive that this endeavor will result in Girl Scout Caroline Hazuda being not only a better citizen of Queen Anne's County, 
but also a better citizen of this world. And whereas Queen Anne's County Commissioners recognize Girl Scout Carolyn Hazuda for her commitment and dedication to the community and for setting such a fine example for young individuals to follow and wish her the best of luck, happiness, success, and all her endeavors. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim October 6, 2020, as Girl Scout Carolyn Hazuda Day in Queen Anne's County and recognize Caroline for demonstrating her leadership and love for her community and for her extraordinary efforts to save lives. Signed by all the county commissioners. This is awesome. So you're a, a senior now? Um, so no, actually I'm a sophomore now at Towson. And oh. um, yeah, so I was a senior when I completed my project. So, so. what are you majoring at at Towson? Um, early childhood education. Very good. Yes. Very good. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Job well done. Thank you. Yes. Another COVID-belated award. Excuse me? Another COVID-belated award. Yeah. All right, commissioners, it's uh, about 19 minutes after 6. We can go to our public hearing section this evening. If you want to turn to tab number 7, we have a public hearing on County Ordinance 20-08. And Mr. Thompson is here to run the hearing for us tonight. Patrick? You ready? Yes, sir. At their regular meeting on September 8, 2020, Commissioner Moran introduced County Ordinance Number That's 2012. Uh, County Ordinance 2008, a bill entitled on Act Concerning Provisions. You said 2008, aren't we, aren't we having 2012? You don't have 2008? 2008. This is for the provisions for alcohol for production alcohol. facilities to include okay. distilleries. Bill entitled on Act Concerning Provisions for Alcohol Production Facilities to include distilleries in the agricultural and countryside districts in Queen Anne's County. Defining certain terms and uh, correcting the definition of farm, uh, farm brewery for the purpose of creating additional use provisions in agricultural and countryside districts in Queen Anne's County for alcohol production facilities, prohibiting such uses in permitted open space areas of Queen Anne's County, defining ag agricultural production facilities and distilleries, and correcting the typographical error in the definition of farm brewery. In Chapter 18, Act 1, Definitions of the Code of Public Local Laws, by amending Sections 18, 112, 18, 14, 18.15, and 18, Act 1 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne County. This hearing is being held Tuesday, October 13, 2020, at 6.15 p.m. County Commissioner Meeting Room, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. Copies of the ordinance have been available at the county commissioner's office prior to the hearing and online on the county website. 
speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted on before the hearing date to the county commissioners. 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville. Uh, citizens may also participate via email, live video, and audio. And the procedures during that were pub published in, new, in notice of this hearing. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assisted listening devices are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice was published in uh, Baton's Record Observer on three successive weeks prior to today's hearing. Uh, signed up to speak are Warren Wright. Thank you, Ms. Thompson. Um, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, in Queen Anne's County, there's about 100 places you can get alcohol. And that includes the new microbrewers and the craft beer uh, places throughout the county. In Maryland, there's one outlet for every 1,850 people. Queen Anne's County, it's about one alcohol outlet for about 1,000 people. Uh, that's according to the Maryland Tax and Alcohol and Tax Report 2019. You know, when I get uh, 50,000, I abide it by, anyway, it comes up by 100 comes out to be 500, but I'm sure the Maryland Tax Authority does it in a better way. In QA, over 30 gallons of beer consumed per capita per year. That's second only to Ocean City. Uh, Queen Anne's per capita, two gallons of spirits and one and three quarters gallons of wine. Um, with COVID-19, there's been a boom in the amount of pickup and delivery of spirits around Queen Anne's County. Um, Many of those, we're not sure whether they're compliance checked uh, completely. In our, in, here in Queen Anne's County, in our, our compliance checks, and I want to take a minute and thank all of the commissioners because you guys have supported the, the uh, compliance checks all along. Uh, but compliance has fallen from 90%, which is pretty good, to about 78%. Uh, as you guys know, we've talked about the YRBS. That's the Youth Risk Behaviors Survey that's done every two years. Our middle schoolers reported that in the last 30 days, about 20% of them had ridden with an adult who had been drinking. Um, I mention that because that's higher than usual because with high school kids, they report about 21%, which we're assuming they're riding with others, but the, the, the increase for the middle school means they might be riding with their parents. In Maryland, alcohol-related um, uh, deaths are up 35%. Uh, compared to the same period in 2018, uh, that's 287. And uh, there is one nationally. There is one alcohol-related death every 50 minutes. Uh, my understanding, and I, and I can't say for sure, uh, is that there is a Maryland statute being proposed to allow chain stores to sell alcoholic beverages. And again, I just saw that in the newspaper. I don't know whether that's true or not. It sounds reasonable. Um, my questions are, uh, if we do this, uh, do the celebrations have to get one-day permits? Uh, do they have to have alcohol awareness training? Uh, can they pick up and deliver from the celebration uh, areas? So thank you all very much. I just wanted to say, having been here a long time, 
these commissioner meetings move like uh, very smoothly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Brian Truitt. You just mentioned my name. <laughs> hey. You're up. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is Brian Truitt. My wife and I own and operate uh, Patriot Acres Farm Brewery, uh, just north of Sellersville on the northern end of the county. Um, we opened up in 2018, January of 2018, after uh, you gentlemen kindly approved of farm breweries being added as a ag practice. Um, I'm here tonight to weigh in on the text amendment. Um, when we uh, first started our, I guess, establishment, we didn't have any restrictions. There was no regulations besides what the state had put out, that we use one ingredient or a ingredient, no distinguished amount. And up until this point, we haven't had any problems with that restriction, regulation, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, now that we move forward with the alcohol production facility proposal, we were kind of taken aback that why would there be any restrictions added to this new text amendment? Um, we initially inquired about distilling almost a year ago. It's taken that long to get to this point. And, uh, you know, we didn't think it would take that long because the whole farm brewery proposal that we um, initiated back in 2016 didn't take that long. So on the tail end of everything, not only, uh, you know, do we get added restrictions for inquiring about uh, distilling, um, it might ultimately affect our farm brewery operation that we've been running without incident for almost three years now. Um, Let's see. Uh, um, I think the bottom line up front would be uh, for the county to possibly restrict um, maybe a, a huge outgrowth of farm breweries, distilleries, and wineries. I, don't, I imagine that's why that uh, these restrictions are put in place. But since we opened our doors in January of 2018, there hasn't been another alcohol production facility on ag uh, property in that time period. And as a matter of fact, I doubt there's been any of these alcohol production facilities established on the eastern shore of Maryland. So that proposal to kind of restrict having too many in Queen Anne's County, I don't think uh, that's the right way to kind of prevent that type of growth. Um, what we are promoting is possibly instead of having a two-acre requirement, maybe just have a larger farm, uh, maybe a 20-acre piece, because we're up to almost about seven or ten right now, and we still have a lot more growth to do at our establishment. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Joe Stevens. Thank you, Commissioners. Good evening. Joe Stevens. Um, I represent Two Sons Farms, LLC. Uh, they do have a proposal in for a farm brewery uh, just on the um, south side, I guess, of Route 50, across from the um, uh, Catholic Church on about a 260-acre farm, but just outside of Queenstown. 
Um, and um, uh, they had been working on this since about February of this year, met with planning staff and so on, was about to submit a site plan. And, uh, and then planning staff had proposed this amendment, and that started working in the process. In fact, I told the client, you know, step back a little, work with planning and with the department and with the commission, and let's see what comes out of this. Um, and as you know, there was a provision in there for 50% growing on site that got taken out and became an acreage provision, and there still is the conditional use provision that uh, anyone who goes through this, if you pass this ordinance as it is, would have to go through Board of Appeals, additional review, conditional use. Um, uh, my client did file the site plan because the planning commission kind of lingered on evaluating the, um, uh, the text amendment. It took several months um, uh, for them to do that. Uh, and, in fact, I'll give you a copy of a letter I submitted to the planning commission at their request that looked at some other jurisdictions, just like Amy and staff did, a very thorough job. And when you look at other jurisdictions, you'll see that it's a conditional use, Board of Appeals approval. There are very few that require that. In fact, only one other on the eastern shore. Otherwise, you can, you can do a farm brewery or that type of production facility is a permitted use without going to the Board of Appeals with conditions, though. All these jurisdictions lay five or six conditions, maybe an acreage condition. have to have 50 acres or 100 acres, or maybe it's a condition that you have to be so far from a residence. Things of that nature, you can only open so long. So we advocated that at the Planning Commission. That's what we said was the best approach. Why go to the Board of Appeals, especially when you don't give the Board any conditions? You know, you just saying, here, board, either approve it or not. The Planning Commission recommended it to go up to you as is anyway. And so what I'm really here to ask you this evening, if you do vote on it, whether it be in a couple of weeks or whether it goes back or however you handle it, is, is that we have a site plan that in all likelihood, well, I, I don't want to go that far, because, uh, but it might very well be at Planning Commission for final approval in November. If that does receive final approval in November, um, we would like to be able to proceed under the ordinance that existed. So, in other words, not have to step back and go through the Board of Appeals process, which can take months uh, to go through, especially after we have a site plan approved. And your ordinance, as it currently stands, doesn't recognize that that approval would be grandfathered or vested. We'd have to essentially start construction to be vested under Maryland law. So I've drafted just a few words that could be added to the effective date provision, Section 2 of your ordinance, that would recognize that if somebody has a final site plan approved prior to the effective date of this ordinance, um, which in its quickest would be sometime in December, that they could proceed under the existing code. Thank you very much. I'm, I'll give Mr. Thompson um, six copies of the letter I provided the Planning Commission right prior to their meeting, as well as the proposed request for change language. Thank you. That's all I have signed up. Are there, is there anyone else as a public comment with respect to 2008. Uh, we, we do have a Zoom comment. All right, we're going to go over to Kevin Addicts. What was the name again? Uh, Kevin Addicts. Good evening. Thanks for uh, allowing me to join remotely. I very much appreciate it. Kevin Addicts with Grown Fortify, representing the Maryland Wineries, Breweries, and Distillery Associations. And um, I completely agree with the comments that have been submitted and stated by Mr. Stevens and also Mr. Petruitt. Um, we have been working around the state uh, at zoning revisions, and uh, this one is a bit more restrictive, and uh, the last thing we want to do is put our farmers uh, at a disadvantage in Queen Anne's County. Um, I will commend the, 
the uh, planning staff uh, for uh, developing what is beginning to represent what we're trying to do around the state, and that is to begin to combine uh, uses into a single alcohol production use. Uh, that language has been passed by the state and is in the state planning code, and we're asking that that be used as a reference. Um, I did submit a letter which has a few minor uh, suggestions in addition to what Mr. Uh, Truitt and uh, Stevens have said, and I'll, I'll just quickly say that those um, recommendations have to do with trying to future-proof this language so that we won't need to come back again and again. There are references in this text amendment to specific uh, sections of the alcohol code, and the alcohol code is in uh, serious revision mode right now, and so all of the reference uh, licenses by name and licenses by um, section number, specific section number, are likely to disappear in the next legislative session or the one following that. There are major efforts to, to change those. So um, just referencing the alcohol beverage article uh, should be sufficient. And then finally, I'd like to address the, the first speaker's comment that um, in, indeed all of our alcohol producers are required to be alcohol certified and trained and, and to make sure that they're um, their staff and, and everybody working in and around their facilities know how to deal with ID checks and, and uh, to, to make sure that public safety is uh, kind of the foremost responsibility. So um, thank you very much for, for your work to get this industry uh, continuing to move forward. Thank you. Thank you. And that, that's all for Zoom. Another public comment? Uh, no. Pat, right. will you have those comments you speak enough to pass on to us? I do not do any. He could have e emailed us. I'll have to look. Thanks. We're going to close the comment time. Do you have another one? You have another hearing, yeah. I'd like to have planning commission come up and explain this last one. I think we kind of do this backwards. We should have them come up and tell what we're actually talking about and everybody's testifying about. Do we have time to do that? We have time? Yeah, sure. You, you mind, Pat? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Amy, you want to come up and you want to come up and, and sit down and talk about, I mean, it, it, it's, it's uh, you know, there's, the county order is 20-08. Everybody's up here testifying about it. I don't think the public understands what we're even talking about. And I think maybe we should do that the opposite from now on. So anyways, go ahead, Amy. Tell me, what, what's this all about? Why did it come about? And what are we trying to accomplish here? So uh, this came about because we realized when Mr. Truett was exploring um, his business model and looking to uh, add a distillery function to his operation, we realized that we didn't have a provision in our code for a distillery. We had adopted a winery uh, text amendment and a farm brewery text amendment, uh, but didn't address distillery. Even though the word distill is in the farm brewery definition, it doesn't exactly uh, capture that licensing use. So uh, we, our intention was always to assist uh, Mr. Truitt and to streamline the overall process because at this point now we had three different types of operations and um, knowing that the state was using an umbrella definition of an alcohol production facility, we wanted to fold them into one use. 
So that is what we did. And we tied those uh, three types of facilities to the licenses that are required, to the liquor licenses that are required. So those definitions, the standing definitions and the proposed definitions are tied to those specific liquor licenses and what is permitted under those licenses. So the intention is to allow for all of the uses that are permitted under the liquor licenses. And they're all different. So that is why there's a level of specificity in terms of those code references. Some of the licenses are very specific, like the farm brewery license is specific down to what types of foods are okay to serve and the percentage of that operation that can be dedicated to the retail component. All of the licenses address uh, promotional events that are permitted as accessory to that license. So whatever product is being produced, there's an allowance for a tasting room, uh, a retail sales component, and promotional events that are connected to those uses. So we wanted to make sure that our agritourism industry is supported and that we're not duplicative. What we wanted to do was to address the side bar issue of this use. And let me backtrack to note that the um, alcohol production facility use is in and of itself an accessory agricultural use. And that is where a lot of jurisdictions have a lot of different ways of quantifying what that means to be accessory. And that's where we really got into the weeds looking at um, all of the jurisdictions in the state which is what the Planning Commission requested, that we do a deep dive into how all of the other jurisdictions do that. It was not an easy analysis to do because the definitions are different. Some jurisdictions allow for one type of facility and they don't accommodate another, probably for the same similar reasons to the fact that we didn't because it has sort of uh, grown as the need has arisen. Um, but in fairness, of and so we had 22 jurisdictions that we looked at, and I know these numbers aren't going to add up to 22, but the reality <laughs> is there are 16 jurisdictions that process these types of uses under different definitions and forms as conditional uses. There are, I shouldn't try to remember numbers, there are t um, 15 jurisdictions that look at them as permitted uses, and then 12 jurisdictions break them down under permitted uh, uses, under conditional uses, under conditions. And then there are six jurisdictions that don't allow for different components or at all. So it was very difficult to do an equitable analysis. And what we wanted to do was to support the industry but getting back to the point I just strayed from, and that is what is at issue often are special events that occur often on, um, on properties that are operating these uh, alcohol production facilities. We wanted to keep that completely separate because the special event, which could be a wedding or a concert or a sporting event, is not a promotional use that's connected to alcohol production. That's a special event. 
And we already have a conditional use provision in our code that addresses that. So we wanted to make sure that a true promotional event would be permitted under the liquor, li under the liquor license. But because our definition of a farm would allow for these types of operations on properties as small as five acres, we wanted to create the conditional use for this use because while a property that's five acres in one section of the county might be entirely appropriate for one of these operations and they might have adequate ingress and egress and they might have adequate buffering, it might not be appropriate for a larger farm. It just, it, it kind of makes a difference in terms of what the neighborhood looks like and what, kinds, what kind of access it is because this is a more intense use. So we classified the use as a conditional use in order to um, support the use, but we didn't attach additional conditions to that use that you would normally see special conditions attached to a specific conditional use because we felt that through definition and through the license itself, the liquor licenses themselves, that there are a lot of parameters on what can and can't happen and that allowing the board to simply assess these uses under our standard conditional use provisions, which look at neighboring properties, access, buffering, look at, they look at common issues, that this would be an equitable review to all applicants. So the intention here was to streamline our definitions, fix a typo, um, and create this conditional use. Um, which is more restrictive than some jurisdictions, less restrictive than others, but it's very difficult to compare and quantify because there are so many factors with some jurisdictions that might allow it as a permitted use, but the way they quantify definition of a farm, that there might be a 50-acre requirement, whereas we don't have that. So that was the logic. And the Planning Commission has already reviewed this? They have. They've and, reviewed it twice. And... and so I take that that process took a while to get through them. It did. Yeah. Okay. And this is this is what they've come back and approved and sent up, and this is where we are. Okay. Well, thank you very much for explaining that. We're going to hold this open and uh, vote on this in two weeks. All right. Good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Certainly. Tim, you want to close the hearing? We'll close that hearing and move into the next one. This is a hearing on County Ordinance Number 2012, a bill entitled an Act Concerning Time and a Response to Ethics Complaint by the Queen Anne's County Ethics Commission. For the purpose of revising the time, the Queen Anne's County Ethics Commission shall either dismiss or forward an ethics complaint from 10 to 30 days by amending Section 8-10G3 of Chapter 8 of the Code of Public Local Laws. Queen Anne's County. This hearing is being held Tuesday, October 13, 2020 at 6.20 p.m. in the County Commissioner's Meeting Room, <coughs> Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. Copies of the ordinance have been available at the County Commissioner's Office during regular business hours and online at the County website. Uh, the public is also invited to participate via email, live video, and audio, and instructions for doing so were included in the advertisement for the hearing. Speakers were limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted on before the hearing date to the county commissioners. 
All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. For the record, the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of tonight's hearing was published in the Baytime Record Observer Newspaper of General Circulation in Queen Anne's County. Um, no one signed up. Crystal, did you? Um, just here to answer any questions in the event the commissioners would like to know the basis for the ask. Um, as written, any time a citizen complaint is filed, it requires arguably a special meeting um, because the Ethics Commission meets once a month. So this is just bringing it into a position where any um, complaints that would come in can just be heard at the time of the regular meeting. Um, and in the event that a meeting was not held, then one could be set. But for the most part, it's just to put them on the regular meeting schedule. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other public comment? No comment. Very good. So we're going to go ahead and close this hearing, and we'll hold it for two weeks and vote then. Commissioner Patrick. While we're on legislation, do you want to? We have two bills that are ready to be uh, voted on. You want to take care of those now? There he is. Wait yep. Till okay. Back? okay. Yeah. That was a test. In your books, there, tab seven, we have a county ordinance twenty zero four. This is accessory dwelling unit provisions in the resource conservation area. Uh, a motion to approve uh, County Ordinance 20-04. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. And we also have County Ordinance 20-11. And this was uh, the updates to the building code for Queen Anne's County. I'll make a motion to approve County Ordinance number 20-11. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? We have Vivian and Alan. Excuse me? We got Vivian here. Just, I, I just had some questions sure. on it. So. For Vivian? Vivian and Alan, come on up. Yeah, come on. Alan could be here last month. So. so so, going through this and looking at the old, because this is really just a cursory update. Is that what I'm taking from it for a lot of it? Um, right. On the electrical and all that from what I was gathering. I mean, we're not really making any wholesale changes to it. Uh, not to my knowledge. No, the only big change is the plumbing code change. We're not going to use But they're in line with standards. what the state's done and all, correct? Yes. Okay. I, that was my biggest question is whether we're staying in line with what the state's doing, yeah. both the electrical, plumbing, and all that. As long as we are, then I'm good with that. Good? Yep. Okay. So, again, you know, we have a motion and a second to approve county orders 20-11. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> All right. Sometimes you hear 30 seconds, sometimes you hear 30 minutes. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> presentations? We can. Um, it, it doesn't matter. We can do the presentations or we can get back to the action. Presentations. Items. I can do that. Okay. Okay. We'll go back uh, to the presentations section of the book. And um, next up we have. Who wants character counts? Patricia Hackelman for Character Counts, Pillar of the Month. Which one?
Qué bien. I got one. I get a glass of water. All right, we have one big open right in front of me. Um, it's Kelly Huber with Character Counts, not Patricia Hackelman, so I know I saw that on here, but um, what an um, incredible time it, it continues to be. I mean, with this COVID and everything, um, life as we know it is very different. I'm going to take this off. Um, than it was last time at this time, um, last year at this time. It's nice to see that things have begun to open up a little. As we know it, we all know schools began this fall with rich virtual and distance learning due to COVID-19, and Char- Character Counts is so excited to be a part of the virtual school day. So we were able to remain in the schools and, and do our lessons just like we used to. Um, we waited until October to give the teachers and students time to ramp up, and learn the new Schoology platform. So coaches are kind of, they're just getting started. Um, It's different for everyone, but thank you to our amazing coaches, many who are attempting online and pre-recorded lessons during this crazy time. Thank you also to our schools and teachers who continue to see the value in their coaches, their lessons, and the Character Counts Initiative. Um, During this time, we've also partnered with Queen Anne's County TV, and they'll be doing monthly videos for different pillars every month. Bruce has also agreed to work with the coaches and help record lessons. I was over there last week as he recorded a lesson with Coach Lance Richardson. So um, it's really neat to see. We're hoping to also partner and have some Pillar of the Month story times and lessons from the libraries. Character Counts will also be available on YouTube for coaches and teachers to utilize. Um, Also some exciting news we got last week. Um, The 2020 Shore Strong Golden Anchor winners were announced. Character Counts made the list not once this year, but twice. Um, So we were voted an organization that makes our community a better place and a favorite community activity. Um, I love that we're still going strong and it's going to be 20 years. Um, Also just wanted to send a great big hug and a thank you out to whoever it was or what the individuals that also nominated me as volunteer with the biggest heart. So, yep. Um, and with that, I mean, that's kind of my news. Let me introduce who I brought a lot of friends this time, um, some special friends. And this month's proclamation for trustworthiness was written by the scouts and their leaders on Kent Island. We have Mike, uh, Mike um, Link. We have Jeremy Yance. We have Bob Rosecrans and Adam. Red. Adam Red. Yep. All right. And, and a bunch of friends. So yeah. I'm going to turn the table over to them. Thank you. Um, thank you for having us. I know some of you kind of for a long time. Phil, you've known each other for a long time. Chris, we know each other. So thanks for this. Um, my name is Michael Link, Scoutmaster for Troop 278 on Kent Island. Scouting's going strong in the county. Uh, when COVID hit, we kind of sat back and said, hey, what are we going to do? We can't get together. So Bob, my trustee committee chair, he and I are kind of brothers in arms. Uh, we tag team to say now we need to do virtual. So we meet Monday nights. We were doing five to six, six to seven, and seven to eight because of the three groups of boys. Uh, And things went really, really well. Uh, Also for the Cub Scouts, uh, Adam's here for them uh, with AJ and then with the girls. 
Um, things are going good with the Cub Scouts. We're kind of the only Cub Scout pack on Kent Island. Uh, the other pack is not here anymore. Uh, and then Jeremy's actually with now our first all-girl uh, Scouts BSA uh, Scout Troop, which is doing good. One of the girls is graduating this year, working on her Eagle Project at the Legion this coming Sunday. As you know, my son Sam, he turned 18 last Monday, kind of a little pushing and pushing and pushing. We turned in his project at 426 when it was due at 430 on Monday, his 18th birthday. So hopefully the paperwork's in order and he'll be an Eagle Scout. But I just love scouting and we've got so many great leaders, uh, so many great kids. Scouting is just going so strong in our county um, and great to partnerships with Character Counts and Kelly. We just can't thank our county enough for standing behind us, standing behind the kids and, and giving us those resources that we can to help them because they're our future. That's why we're here. That's why we volunteer our time. So thank you. And they're selling popcorn right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we're doing fundraisers, doing popcorn, doing all kinds of things at the end of the day to kind of help. The Elks Lodge helps us. The Legion helps us uh, with kind of some of the projects. We've talked about some Eagle Scout projects, yep. things like that. So we're, we're working on that. We've got 12, 12 scouts uh, that are working on Eagle Projects right now. For everybody here and, and the folks that are watching <clears throat> live, tell us how, how one gets popcorn. So this fine young man right here with the, uh, with the plaid hat on, that's A.J. Red. He's with Cub Scout Pack 496. Uh, you can reach out to me. I think I put my information, or you can also reach out to A.J. Uh, and the pack. Uh, they can go ahead and do that. Do you have a website or a Facebook page? Or? We do. We have, uh, we have our Cub Scout Pack 496 uh, Facebook page. Okay. Um, also, you can email me, uh, and I can direct you in that, uh, in that realm. And your email it. address real quick? Um, it's Mike at link, L-I-N-K, uh, the word commercial, spelled out, dot com. And then if you want to text me, I can forward that on. Uh, cell phone number is 410-212-1000. So that way we can get it to AJ. It's a great fundraiser. If you don't want popcorn or maybe something's going on with your teeth, you can always turn around and just make a, make a donation to help them because any little bit can, can go a long way. So thank you. Perfect. All right. We All have right. a proclamation. All right, so this is uh, Pillar of the Month of October is Trustworthiness, and this is Proclamation 20-45. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a character counts community, and whereas all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate them into their daily activities and to model these traits of good character. And whereas the character counts Pillar of the Month for October is Trustworthiness. And whereas all citizens will tell the truth and be honest to others and themselves. And whereas all citizens will keep their word and promises by taking care to only make promises they are able and intend to keep. And whereas all citizens will demonstrate their trustworthiness by acting with integrity in their everyday lives as a clear example of their personal character to their family, friends, community, county, state, and country. And whereas all citizens, after demonstrating their trust trustworthiness and character, will be allowed to occasionally fail and make mistakes, admit their mistakes, offer to resolve their mistakes, and restore their trustworthiness. And whereas all citizens will strive to honor, uh, sorry, strive to exhibit honor and bravery in telling the truth, especially in situations where it may be difficult to do so, or even when your voice trembles. Now, therefore. We, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby designate Character Count's Pillar of the Month for October is 
trustworthiness. And this is written by troop leaders of Boy Scout Troop 278, Scout BSA Girl Troop 496, and Cub Scout Pack 496. Signed by all the commissioners. Excellent. Good job, Mike. And I'll tell you, commissioners, I was I was grilled by some of the scouts last week. They had to do an interview with um, with an elected official, and uh, I, I guess they drew the bottom of the barrel, so they had me. Um, some excellent questions, and some I didn't have answers to. I got the answer for the Nemo Park, so I'll email it to you. Can share that with them. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, our next presentation is uh, Miss Den Denai Spearing for All Seasons. We have Outreach and Events Coordinator for Suicide Prevention Month Proclamation. Denai, come on in. Yeah. Hi, how are you all? I'm Denai. Denai, I'm sorry, Denai. Okay. Hi, uh, before we get started, I have a couple of gifts for you, Robert. For, yeah. uh, thanks. Right, thank you. And oh, hi, everyone. My name is suicide. Katie Tiki, and I'm the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at For All Seasons. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about our agency. Um, For All Seasons is your community you. behavioral health and rape crisis center. And we have offices across the mid shore. We have offices in Stevensville, Cambridge, Denton, Chestertown, Easton, and on Tillman Island. And we offer a variety of mental health services, including therapy um, for children, adolescents, adults, families, and couples. And we offer psychiatry for um, people across their lifespan, from young children to the elderly. We also offer victim advocacy for um, victims of sexual assault, sexual violence, and sexual abuse. Um, and this could be whether the abuse was very recent or many years ago, so an adult who maybe was abused as a child. Um, all of our support services are offered in English and Spanish. We accept all insurances, and we take anyone regardless of their ability to pay. Um, so it's really the mission of the agency to provide accessible, um, highest quality mental health services to everyone in our community. Um, and we're really here tonight to shed a light on a very important topic, um, the topic of suicide. I imagine that everybody in this room knows somebody who's been touched by um, someone who has taken their own life. And we think that it's important for us to open the dialogue, um, to talk about mental health, to talk about suicide, um, to let people know who are suffering that we are here for them. And one of the things we like to tell people is... Um, we use the phrase or expression, ask, listen, share. So ask people in your own circle, are you okay? And pay attention and listen to their response and really be there for them without judgment. Um, share with them the mental health resources that are available to them. And For All Seasons is one of those resources. There are many others. Um, but we really want to get the word out because we know that suicide is on the rise and it's on the rise not just in our community, but it's also on the rise in our nation. Um, we also know from our own statistics that we have 650, over 650 new clients since COVID began, so since March. This is our largest increase that we've ever seen in our 34-year history. 
So people are suffering in different ways. Some people are suffering in more minor ways. Some people are suffering in severe ways. All of it is important. Um, And we're really here tonight to help just shed a light on the importance of suicide prevention and awareness um, and to ask the commissioners, you know, through this proclamation to show um, your support. So if anyone has any questions for us, we're happy to answer, but... um, You run through all... You run basically all those offices, your, your, your... We do. We have seven offices and um, two in Easton. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we support all of those offices. We do kind of the marketing and outreach um, behind that. So there's a lot of things we do. Um, we actually just, just did a Be a Light video. I don't know if anyone has seen it, but it's a community video where we had frontline workers and people singing a song called Be a Light, and it's all around suicide prevention. So we put that out and blasted that out to social media. Um, We've been doing other things. We've been handing out these rack cards in the community. I don't know if anybody has seen these yet, but um, we've been sharing these with stores and restaurants. Um, we've been putting our information on pizza boxes and takeout orders about our hotlines. I don't know if anyone's seen those. And the cups. Yeah. That's where the cups originated right. from. So, so even Coliseum right here has our cups and stickers. Mm. Um, so we're doing what we can to get the word out there and um, to let people know that it's okay to ask for help. Um, there's nothing wrong with needing support. We all need support sometimes. Well, we appreciate what you do, and we have a proclamation. We do. Actually, the, um, the proclamation reading star has been assigned to this proclamation because of the length and the importance of the message. Proclamation 20-46, no matter what, you matter. Addressing Suicide Prevention Month. Whereas in the United States, one person dies by suicide every 13 minutes. And in Maryland, suicide is the third leading cause of death for 15 to 34-year-olds, the fifth leading cause of death for ages 35 to 44, and the fourth leading cause of death for ages 45 to 54. And this is the 11th leading cause of death overall in Maryland, even though most of these deaths are preventable. And whereas on an average, one Marylander dies by suicide every 15 hours, with more Marylanders dying by suicide than by homicide every year. Whereas according to the Center of Disease Control, the COVID-19 pandemic has been associated with mental health challenges related to the overwhelming feelings of despair and loss of life caused by the disease and its precautionary measures, including the impact of physical distance and stay-at-home orders. And whereas symptoms of anxiety and depression disorders increased considerably in the United States during April to June of 2020, compared with the same period of 2019. Whereas the CDC recently reported results of a week-long study from June 24th to the 30th of 2020, U.S. adults reported considerably elevated adverse mental health conditions associated with COVID-19. Young adults, racial and ethnic minorities, essential workers, and unpaid adult caregivers reported having experiences disproportionately worse mental health outcomes, increased substance abuse, used and elevated uh, suicidal um, ideation. And whereas the study revealed that 11% of the 5,412 responders surveyed had seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. 31% expressed feelings of anxiety or depression, 
and 26% reported symptoms of trauma or stress-related disorder. And whereas according to the Kaiser Family Foundation survey indicated that 45% of our adults in the United States reported their mental health as being negatively impacted due to the worry and stress over the coronavirus. And whereas many of those individuals who died never received effective behavioral health services for many reasons, including the difficulty of accessing the services of healthcare providers professionally trained to reduce suicide risk, the stigma of using behavioral health treatment, and the stigma associated with losing a loved one to suicide. And whereas according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, COVID-19 pandemic has had far-reaching effects, including keeping people from seeking emergency care for suicidal thoughts, emergency rooms, mental health visits were down 28% in the month after the stay-at-home order took effect. Compared to the same month a year ago, the difference was even greater for visits related to suicidal thoughts, which dropped 60%. Whereas for all seasons, behavioral health and rape crisis center has been an increase in over 650 new clients since March of 2020. To help support the increase in the total of 19 crisis appointments now are now available weekly to clients in need, including same-day crisis appointments for people having suicidal thoughts. Additionally, the agency created an ask.listen.share campaign, empowering all individuals with a call to action to reach out and support one another. Whereas the Governor's Commission on Suicide Prevention is dedicated to reducing the frequency of suicide attempts and deaths and the pain of those affected by suicide through research projects, educational programs, uh, interventional and bereavement services, and urges all Queen Anne's County citizens to consider, recognize suicide as a significant public health risk in Queen Anne's County, and declare suicide prevention and the mental health support a priority and support the development and accessible behavior health services for all citizens of our county to reduce the risk of suicide and mental health challenges for people of all ages and backgrounds. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby declare the month of October, no matter what, you matter, Suicide Prevention Month, and urge all citizens to actively work toward the prevention of suicide to be a light for others, and to reach out to one another and ask, are you okay? Listen without judgment and share vital resources to promote inclusive and mentally healthy community. Signed by your Queen Anne's County Commissioners. You are angels. Thank you. Without a doubt. Thank you for reading all that too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Would it be possible to have a picture, or do you guys, can we not do that? Cause sure. Sure, you guys come to the front and we'll yep. here. How about if we stand back here? We do masks. Yep. And you guys stand right up here. You stand up there. So you come to here, and we'll stand back here.
<clears throat> I brought it just in case you'd have us read it. <laughs> okay, thank you both. Thanks for all the uh, goodies, too. That's very nice. Yeah. I didn't have a cut in my shirt. All right, commissioners. Next, we have uh, Stephen Chanley, Parks and Recreation Director, for his uh, Parks and Recreation update. Here he Stephen. comes. Steve, all right. We got a presentation here for us. Okay, it's all teed up. Okay. Yep. Take it away. All right. Well, thank you all for having me for my quarterly update. Uh, we've had a lot going on, despite a lot of things being closed. You pull that microphone up, please. Uh, first thing I'd like to start off with is um, our program open space. These are some pending projects, some projects that are approved, and projects that we're putting in. We have a court rehab project that was uh, approved in FY20 for 150,000. Um, we're putting in, and we should be going to the Board of Public Works for the Route 8 trail extension uh, sometime in November. Um, that should be about $248,000 of uh, open space money. And then we just submitted uh, last week a Terrapin Park restroom and ranger station uh, for FY21 for uh, about $450,000 of program open space money. So we got a lot going on, and uh, we're looking to get some of those hey, big projects knocked out. Steve, before you move on, getting back to the, the court rehab projects, I actually had a citizen uh, approach me regarding pickle courts. Apparently, that's the, that's the, big uh, the, the new hot thing. Right. Um, my question to you is the existing serving square boxes on a normal tennis court, is, is that where they're playing? Yes. Okay, but do, do they need special lines for pickle? They, they do need new lines, different lines. Uh -huh. um, in fact, I have a slide in there that will show that. Okay. And I can explain that. So during bit. the court rehab, are we going to institute those lines we that you're are. referencing? We have one tennis court that's going to be uh, rehabbed, and we have three basketball courts that we've put in so far. Perfect. So the one uh, tennis court will actually get the pickleball lines as well. Okay. Thank you. So how, how many total pickleballers? Pickleball. Uh, right now we have six at Mowbray, and then uh, I think we have four up at Round Top. Okay. Um, that are under our. Oh, I'm sorry. And we also have um, two at Graysonville. So we've got them north, south, and central. So they're, they're equally dispersed. Um, whoops. In fact, there's the picture right there um, that shows the, the new lining. Uh, we initially had three. Um, Pickleball courts on there, but due to popularity, you know, we increased the, um, the number of courts that we were able to put on there. Uh, we also cleaned up the uh, memorial that's out in front of Mowbray Park. Um, some other park improvements uh, are at White Marsh, where we uh, dethatched and there, took an elevator to the uh, soccer lacrosse fields out there, and you can see the, um, everything that came up from the ground, and we're blowing it off there. And then Route 18 Baseball Park, um, we uh, took down the lips that were on the field. Um, we also uh, installed a uh, playground at uh, Riverside. Um, this is almost completely done. The, this picture was taken before the fence was put up, but it was an old, um, older unused playground. Um, we removed it and we put in three new pieces with uh, wood fiber and uh, fencing around the project. Um, we also got um, Crumpton uh, Park uh, tar and chipped and part of the uh, maintenance yard as well. Uh, some well-needed improvements. Uh, we reestablished some uh, sand volleyball courts at Old Love Point in Sudlersville Park. Um, this will come into play into um, uh, another slide down, um, down the line. 
some of our proposed infrastructure projects. Um, it was a Route 18 park. Uh, we'll be putting in to refabric um, the home run field fences on fields one through three. And then we're also proposing to install a home run fence on field four with a mow strip. Um, we also have Bats Neck parking lot that we're in the midst of uh, getting taken care of. Um, the court rehab includes the, um, the tennis court paving at Round Top Park and then the basketball court paving with new backboards and rims and, and painting there for Old Love Point, Pinckney, and Churchill. And again, one of the things we're trying to do is just equally disperse everything through the, through the county. Um, earlier uh, this summer, uh, we had some significant storm damage on the Cross Island Trail um, <laughs> due to extreme flooding. Um, it undermined the trail, and on the, the picture on the right, you can completely see underneath the trail um, this is where part of it is falling off. We're in the, in the process of getting that um, engineered. We should have uh, information to uh, put that out, bid to um, be corrected in about two weeks or so. As far as recreation, um, again, for a while, you know, no sports were taking place. And then as, you know, we began to open up, we offered some field hockey um, clinics. It was um, offered by our Parks and Recreation staff. We utilized the athletic field turf at the high school, um, and we had about 14 participants in that. Continuing on with field hockey, we were approached by the Board of Education when they realized that they weren't going back to school um, and having um, fall athletics. They had asked us, what can we do for their high school students? And we decided to um, go ahead and continue and offer our regular field hockey league, but we also bumped the age group up to um, take care of high school um, age kids. Um, and by doing that, we got seven high school teams, you know, about 280 participants and 39 volunteer coaches. Same thing with volleyball. Volleyball used to be an indoor sport during this time of year, but obviously we can't get in there. So the importance of getting Southersville and Love Point, um, those courts reestablished, we were able to offer those leagues outside. Again, we offered um, a high school age group and as well as a uh, youth division. Um, so we've got you know, a decent amount of, of teams out there. It's something new and it's uh, taking place. And you can see the, the picture on the left. The girls are playing in some... Uh, Wet weather, they're out there still diving in there, so they're uh, enjoying it. And it's good to see that those, you know, getting those courts back up to speed and getting them utilized. Uh, again, we've got flag football, six-week seasons for 5- to 13-year-olds. Um, artificial turf, um, it's been a busy, busy season. Um, we've got about 546 hours used. Um, you can see the, the hours for the uh, Ken Island and also for Queen Anne's. It's almost... A, uh, you know, four to one from Ken Island to, to Queen Anne's. Um, we've got some decent revenue. We've got about $33,000 um, collected in that. Um, our rec program has used about 95 hours uh, in addition to those hours that are um, already scheduled. You can see the outside organizations um, that utilize the, uh, the field. There's uh, 14 of them. 14 are uh, is the total. There's 10 in county, four out of county, and you can see that lacrosse is the dominant sport that has been utilizing um, our fields. Um, with our outside leagues, as far as in our parks, uh, we've had uh, field requests from 13 different organizations, about 205 teams total. Uh, you know, we're estimating about 2,300 um, kids and about 59 field requests that they have asked for. And you can see the breakdown there between uh, ball diamonds, rectangles, volleyball, and uh, football fields. Uh, kind of continuing on with um, uh, 
the other parts of the, the park. Uh, we've got White Marsh Park. And again, you've heard me talk about the um, edible trail. They've planted it. Um, we've installed a, a kiosk there. And with DNR, they held an um, open tour on September 21st and 24th. They actually had about um, 30 people participate in that. So they, you know, the idea is to see what's going to be there um, and what's to come. So that was well received. At a conquest, uh, we had a wetland restoration area designed and built through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. There were actually four, wet, I'm sorry, five wetlands that were built. Um, I just took the, the picture, or had the picture of just one of them, not to, to be redundant. And you can see before and after, and they filled up quickly again with all the rain that we've had. Um, so they're, they're really taken off well, and I think it's going to be a, a, a great addition to, to conquest there. Um, also, you know, as far as um, what we're trying to do to improve and be good stewards, we're in partnership with Shore Rivers, and we received uh, an NTWF grant for a study design for Cox Creek restoration. And NTWF is the National Turkey Wildlife Federation, um, which is kind of strange. <laughs> um, continuing on, we've got Blue Heron and Bats Neck Park. We've got another partnership with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Um, and uh, also with DNR Chesapeake and Atlantic Trust Fund about um, uh, planting more trees within the Blue Heron Nature Park area and also down at Bats Neck. Um, public landings. Um, this is kind of a third, you know, obviously the third quarter update. Um, some of the big changes are, and um, I think we touched upon it, the last update was um, July 1, we changed our hours from um, 24 hours um, a day to to uh, sunrise and sunset. It used to be $10 for parking, and now we've changed the meters over, over to $250 an hour um, uh, for parking. And we also have new signage out there that you know, says, um, says those changes there, and we also try to incorporate them in um, being bilingual as well. Uh, the other big project we have is the Corsica River dredging project, and um, we're going to dredge um, the Corsica River down to a negative five, mean, five feet mean low water level, and that's supposed to begin sometime in Oct late October. Um, one of the other big things is in FY22, we just submitted a Maryland DNR Waterway Improvement Fund grant program um, for Crumpton Landing to get that taken care of. That's been one that has... Um, Unfortunately, been pushed back for a number of years, and now that it's you know it's our number one priority, we're keeping our fingers crossed. That um, the Corsica River dredging project, where are the spoils going? Are they going back to the, to uh, right up on Watson off of Watson Road. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, the security uh, cameras for the Waterman's uh, boat basin. We're still in the process of of, of getting some. Um, getting some standards and getting some uh, quotes from folks. So it's still on our radar. Um, we're still looking to, to get, um, get that done and move forward. I think the biggest challenge in, um, in, in speaking with the watermen um, and, and working with, with Jack, with, with, the, with the gang on this, is just, you know, you get signs up and now our sheriff can enforce it or right, DNR right. can enforce it. Uh, they just needed the signage. So that, that's, that's huge right there. And now, now it can be enforced. Yeah, and these are the new signs that we've put up on each one of the pilings where it says marina use for slip runners and guests only. Um, so hopefully that will, will help enforce to, to some degree. Uh, 
again, these are the uh, examples of the new signage, the bilingual signage that we have um, placed at uh, Mattapique and Romacote fishing piers. Um, Baybridge Airport, um, their business has remained steady during this, this time. Uh, hangars are full and uh, fuel sales are steady. Um, one of the maintenance projects that they're continuing on is just uh, taking care of the cracks and the weeds that are um, coming through the runway. Uh, they received uh, 30000 in uh, CARES money from the FAA for airport operations. Um, their current project, uh, they're repainting the runway markings. Uh, that was a recommendation from the state inspection requirement. And then uh, a future project they have is rehabbing the entire runway. Right now they've got a pre-designed phase and that survey is to begin later this month. Blue Heron Golf Course, we had asked for um, capital projects to take care of paving uh, the, the back nine. And you can see a picture of what it looks like before and after. We had a ton of rain in August and September, but the, the good thing about it is revenues have been higher uh, than they've ever been before. Um, and just some uh, general maintenance there with aeration taking place this week. And one of the important things that we're going to be working on this, this winter is to reestablish the intended use for Mattapique, Terrapin, Nature Preserve, and Ferry Point Park. Um, for Terrapin and Nature, uh, I'm sorry, for Terrapin, Nature Preserve, and Ferry Point Park, you know, the objective is to, like I said, get it back to a nature preserve. That means no coolers, no beach chairs. Fishing um, would be permissible in er certain areas of Terrapin. Fishing would be prohibited at Ferry Point and then reestablish uh, the grasses that have been damaged by people, you know, setting up camp out there. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that we have to consider is do we go to parking meters, do we go to permits, or is it a combination of it? So it's, there's a lot on the table, a lot of different ways to look at it. And that's what's been happening in the last three months. And there's a ton more probably. <laughs> so how are you going to knock off the... Uh beach chairs and coolers are you going to signage it or what are we doing we're going to signage it we're going to there'll be a uh, recommendation for staffing hiring seasonal staff to be park attendants yeah to catch people right at the very beginning as they enter into the facility or or if we have to we'll turn them away at the beginning of the facility if they're coming in with you know their entire ocean city gear yeah. Um, we're also going to go into Terrapin, and there are certain areas that have been significantly damaged, and we're going to fence off those grass areas and try to get those reestablished. So by fencing off those grass areas, that will take away some of that, um, people consider areas where they can go ahead and camp out, so to speak. I have to put those signs out because people come loaded like camels from two miles out. Right. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so... Thank you for taking care of that plaque at uh, Mowbray Park. You're welcome. No I appreciate problem. that. No That's actually, I was looking at that. I think that would be, since we had the scouts here earlier, that would probably be a pretty good Eagle Scout project for somebody to sort of redo that. It sort of just sort of sits out there by itself. Right. So, um, so I might reach out to see if any Eagle Scouts are looking for a project that maybe okay. they could work with us on that to make it a little bit more pronounced because, you know, it's a law enforcement officer who lost their life right. here right. in Queen Anne's County, and I'd like to do something more there for that. Definitely. But thanks for cleaning it up. It looks great. You're welcome. Any other questions? Questions for Steve? All right. Oh. All right. All right. Thank you. Good update. Good. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. All right. Okay. Under presentations, we have one final proclamation here, Commissioners. Uh, Ms. Heather Tonelli, Economic Development Director for Economic Development Week Proclamation. Item 5 on page 36. 
Who wants to? Hey now. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> Good evening. Um, just wanted to take a moment to make sure that everyone knew October 19th through the 23rd will be Maryland Economic Development Week, and we in Queen Anne's County will be celebrating that as well. We're going to uh, be rolling out finally our workforce development initiative that I know you all have heard me talk about for a while, but that will be rolled out and active, and we already have some companies interested uh, we will also be sharing our um, Small Business Assistance and Recovery Fund um, outcomes and some success stories there, as well as the uh, champions of manufacturing. We have like six companies uh, that have been nominated or put their stories in, um, and currently there's People's Choice Awards. So if you're interested in voting for one of our local um, companies, you can go on our Facebook page and see how to do that. So we're hoping to uh, promote those and hopefully one of our Companies will win that award. And then lastly, we're just going to make sure to um, advocate for our local businesses, try to get out there, visit over the next week or so, and um, just promote economic development. Can you speak at all um, on what's going on at Kmart? Do, do we have any, any new no. news there? No. No. News. Okay. I wish, <laughs> but no. Is anything going on? Oh, yes, there is something going on. I've um, spoke with the broker for the potential retailer, but they won't say who it is because they're in current negotiations. And the Cordis Group, I've been speaking with them. Um, they're talking with SHA about um, possibly purchasing some of the, the land that runs along uh, Thompson Creek Road for additional parking. So they're in the process of doing that. So we're speaking with them on a weekly basis, but as far as actually knowing what retailers going in, they haven't yeah. shared with that yet. So, thank you. That's good. So there's activity. There's something. And a lot happening. of times, you know, that just knowing that there's some activity is promising. Right, and that is an enterprise zone. So I've made sure to give them that information because there'll be tax credits for the new retailer coming in potentially. Great for the. Um, um, so there's, there's something happening there. We just don't want to jinx it. No, right. So we don't want to. Yeah. Right. And I honestly don't. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's just it's some, some folks have, have been asking. And right. They're going to wait till the deal is pinned. And it's right. Like sure. Thing, so. Which is probably the smart thing to do. Until right. then, anything people hear is just gossip. Don't yep. pay attention That's to correct. it. Very good. Mr. Wilson, do you have a proclamation? I do. There now. Short one. <laughs> That's because he was handing them out. <laughs> you noticed that, right? Jim said, hand them out. That's you right. See fits, so. <laughs> proclamation recognized the week of October 19th to 23rd, 2020, as Economic Development Week in Queen Anne's County, Maryland, whereas the economic growth and stability of the state of Maryland affects all regions and jurisdictions, and whereas Queen Anne's County is an important component of the state's economic success. And whereas the Queen Anne's County Department of Economic Development and Tourism Development is an active member of the Maryland Economic Development Association, better known as MEDA, a nonprofit organization that promotes economic development as an investment in Maryland and Marylanders. Whereas MEDA members promote the economic well-being of Maryland by working to improve the state's business climate and professionalism of those working in the field of economic development, and whereas the Department of Economic Development and Tourism Development, with the support of the Economic Development Commission, shall highlight the county's commitment to the business community by rolling out the new Workforce Development Initiative and recognizing local business success stories during the week of October 19th to 23rd, 2020. 
Now, therefore, be it resolved that we, the Board of Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, proclaim the week of October 19, 2020 to October 23, 2020 as Economic Development Week in Queen Anne's County and ask all to join with us and to recognize and reaffirm the importance of economic development as it creates new opportunities and transforms lives. Signed, your Queen Anne's County Commissioners. There they are. That's how it's done. That was brilliant. Fuck in the park. That is speed reading at its best. There it is. I'm not sure if you just said economic development there. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Thanks, Heather. All right, back to the action. All right, Commissioners, uh, back to action items. Oh, I'm sorry. We have 45 seconds. (laughs) You're going to lose the bet. (laughs) 45 seconds. All right, back to uh, action items. We have uh, flip back to tab number three. Uh, item one on page one, we have the Higgs Family Land LLC legal document. It's an amended open space easement, and this is an amended deed of open space to restrict 26.6 acres on a parcel of land to support that open space there. So can I get I'm, a motion on that? I move to approve the amended deed of open space easement to restrict 26.624 acres on parcel 15 to support the previously subdivided lots two and three as part of an amended deed of open space plat on the lands of Higgs Family Land, LLC, intended to be reported among the, land, the plat records of Queen Anne's County. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Item two on page nine is um, another amended open space easement. This is for Meadows Edge, phase two. I move that we approve this amended deed of open space easement to restrict <laughs> to restrict 150.755 acres on parcel 16 lot one to support the major subdivision referred to as meadows eagle phase two edge. as more meadows edge phase two and as more particularly described under planning and zoning file number sub number 18-05-0011 well that took forever second any discussion Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. And thank you, Commissioners. I want to thank uh, Brendan here. He's been... He got uh, all dressed up, but he was ready to roll. And look at, he didn't get a shot at the title, did he? <laughs> I mean, everything in here was... Better luck next time. Written, no Better luck next time. time. Great job. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> all right, thank you all. All right, Commissioners, item three on page oh. 20 is a request for <clears throat> economic development incentive funding for the Shine Like Stars preschool in the amount of $50,000. I'm missing one. Get a motion on that? What, what number are we on? We are number three. Number three on page 20, yes. I don't think we're going to get one. I'd actually like to table this one. I move to table this one. I wanted to have some discussions about economic development. I have some questions. So moved. Moving on. All right, moving on. Okay. Item four on page 27 is a series of three uh, draft operating policies that have been revised. They include the violence in the workplace, inclement weather, and the employee recognition policy. I move that the violence in the workplace policy inclement weather policy and employee recognition policy be adopted and presented to be effective in the seventh business in seven business days second any discussion 
Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number five on page 45 is the employee deferred compensation review. As you know, we transitioned over to VOYA this past June. The next phase in this transition is to form a committee who will monitor plan investments and also to hire a, have a consultant um, on board to make sure we uh, stay in line with all of the IRS liability standards and guidelines. And this would, we recommended, um, is recommended to go with Bolton, was the company that uh, did our analysis mm -hmm. to help us make this selection, and that's based on a, on a percentage basis, their fee. I move to appoint Bolton as the consultant for the deferred compensation plan. Second. So, second. So we, have, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, commissioners. Item six on page 54 is a donation agreement for some surplus soccer goals to the Faith Christian School. I move I'm, to, good, Steve. I move to sign the donation agreement of soccer goals from the Department of Parks and Recreation of the Faith Christian School. The soccer goals are donated, and as is condition, the county's released from all liability. Second. A motion and second. Any discussion? Kudos to parts. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Good to repurpose that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, commissioners, uh, thank you. Item 7 on page 57 is the uh, Land Preservation Parks and Recreation Plan Beacon Survey. And this is a proposal with Beacon in the amount of $9,900 to provide the county with a needs assessment for the LPPRP. I move to sign the beacon proposal in the amount of $9,900 and which will provide the county with the needs assessment required to complete the 2022 Land Preservation Parks and Recreation Plan. Second. Could, could you read that slower? I, I didn't we have a all. motion and a second. <laughs> Any discussion? This is something we, we do, I think, every two years yeah. in order to, to get this certification. Tommy's good. We're doing the comp plan now, so it's perfect time That's to right. get yeah. this update. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. All righty. So we have a motion and a second. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item eight on page 62 is a uh, capital project for parks and recreation to do some court paving. Uh, I think Steve mentioned this earlier. This is for um, paving basketball and tennis courts using uh, DPW's paving contract with David A. Bramble at Old Love Point Park, Pinckney Park, Round Top, and Churchill Parks. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to contract with David A. Bramble Incorporated general contractors to pay for several basketball and tennis courts in the amount of $83,555. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 9 on page 64 is Budget Amendment CC10, Homeless Solutions Program. I move to approve Budget Amendment CC10. Second. We have a motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. We have two desk items. Um, item number 10 is a letter to the Executive Director of uh, the Maryland State Arts Council, and they announced they were going to waive the grant match requirement for proposed county arts development grants for fiscal 21 and requested a letter to uh, participate in that if we so choose. I move to sign the thank you letter to the Maryland State Arts Council for waiving the grant match requirement for all proposed county arts development grants in FY21. Second. Second. Motion is second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. And lastly, item number 11, desk item number 11. This is a memo from John Seaman, Board of Elections grant. They received a grant from the Center for Tech and Civic Life for $22,317 for purposes of planning and operationalizing safe and secure elections in Queen Anne's County. I move to approve the grant for 22317 for the Board of Elections from the Center for Tech and Civic Life for planning and operation of the elections. Second. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, that's all we had, Commissioners, for action items. We can... Go there is no public. Some public comment? Or Unless idea. you have something, Bruce. Yeah. We there do. Okay. Good. Emails. All right. We do have uh, someone. Sorry, let me change. We do have someone waiting in Zoom. We want to ask them to start their video so we know they're there. In the meantime, while we're waiting for him. I'm just going to read uh, this one letter we got uh, from Mary Goodwin. Dear commissioners, in the past 36 hours, the love of the citizens of Queen Anne's County for their historic courthouse has been demonstrated by several hundred posts, 718, with 280 comments. Many simply using three words: "Leave it unpainted." That mantra needs to be the clarion bell in your thoughts. While it is possible that Public Works has led a contract that may have called for repainting as part of the job, it does not mean that the section cannot be changed. As a member of the Centerville Economic Development Commission who is framing heritage tourism plans going forward to help our town, I urge you to let the courthouse remain unpainted so that it properly and frankly more spectacularly fits with the magnificent heritage of this town. And uh, we do have uh, David in, so I'm going to ask uh, David to unmute, and he'll have a chance to speak. Uh, my name is Dave Simmison. I live on South Liberty Street, and I'm just here to encourage and support your reconsideration of the courthouse restoration project. I think, uh, as, as many people have noticed with the... Um, in its current state, uh, there's a beauty that we hadn't seen before, and I just encourage you to consider keeping it the way it is right now rather than, rather than paint over it. David, can you hear me? I can. Uh, have you been out to the courthouse and stood in front of it, five feet away from it? I have not been five feet away from it, no. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of pictures posted, and people, the pictures do look inviting, but... When you get up close, it's challenging. So uh, I would suggest you go in to the courthouse and take a look at it. I think a, a lot of the public that think it should be left unpainted, uh, take a look at it because it, it, so it might change your mind. That's all. Just want to make sure you, you, you understand. I'll, what you're I'll do that and, and then I'll respond. I've, I've written you folks a, a, an email already. Sure. And I'm about a, I'm a short block from the courthouse, so Excellent. I can go ahead and do that and look closer than I have. Because I don't know how much more they're going to get off unless we change the contract and they sandblast. And once you start sandblasting, you're removing mortar and you're removing brick material. So, you know, sandblasting just, can be tough. I know yes, that. Yep. It can so, be really tough. very good. Thank you very much for your your uh, opinion. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, David. And we do have several emails regarding the courthouse. Okay. Uh, first is from Carol Bilek. Please do not repaint the old courthouse. It not only looks beautiful without the paint, it will help preserve the bricks by allowing them to breathe, which is critical for old bricks. By sealing the exterior surface with waterproof paint, you would be trapping the, uh, the water absorbed by the brick from the soil and contributing to the destruction of the brick. Save the money and help to preserve the architectural integrity of the building. 
Next is from Larry Cook. Please leave the courthouse in Centerville brick. Don't paint it. It is much more colonial and nice looking. We have Kim Shepard. Please leave the historic courthouse as is. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, we did also receive the email that uh, David had spoke about. So that's in. Uh, Barb, Barb Pivik. Please seriously consider evaluating if you can seal or leave the courthouse red brick. Next is from Sarah Lyle. Dear Commissioners, the work currently being done in the beautiful historic courthouse has revealed the brick walls as they were originally intended. Please do not repaint it. An outpouring of opinion from the Queens County con- constituents overwhelmingly reflects the opinion that the courthouse should not be repainted white. There is no reason to do so. It doesn't preserve the brick, cover up precious lead paint, or anything like that. On the contrary, as exposed brick it's a, is healthier for the building. As a longtime county resident with a degree in art history and a keen interest in local colonial buildings, I urge you to do your part in continuing to preserve this Eastern Shore treasure in historically appropriate style. The colonial appeal of the weathered brick will add to the tourism attraction of this beautiful town. Not having to paint it will save the county money. Please halt the project until this can be studied, considered, and approved. Uh, The next email is from Adam Goodhart, but he did speak earlier. Joan Gray. Please keep red brick on the old courthouse. I have worked there for 31 years, and it is the prettiest it has ever been. The white paint gets very dirty. People put feet on the walls all the time. When they back up to the wall, there goes the foot on the wall. Front door is always dirty from the rain and weather. Please leave that red brick. It is beautiful. Save money on paint and use for inside needs. Barbara White. Many in the community would love to see the courthouse in Centerville to remain without paint. If possible, please consider supporting us. The building looks absolutely gorgeous without paint. Thank you very much. And our last email is actually a uh, voicemail. So we're going to try to play that, and it's going to come through our speaker here. Oop. Sorry. As I have our Facebook playing in the background. That's my fault. All right, going back to our voicemail. That concludes our public comment. Very good. Alrighty, let's uh, <laughs> start off with number four. My esteemed colleague, the one and the only. I have nothing today. Very good. Number three. I have nothing. Outstanding, Mr. Wilson. Uh, I'm all out of ideas for there. The you game. go. <laughs> and Mr. Wilson, the junior. So I didn't have anything. But then I was perusing this uh, paper that we got from SHA. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I, I guess I'm, something for Todd or whoever could find out. I'm just curious because Queen Anne's County in traffic deaths, we only had three. We, we're tied for the lowest in the state of all the counties at three. Of traffic deaths. I always ask this question. Where do those deaths count? Is it a Queen Anne's County resident like we do with right. uh, COVID? Or is it like a out-of-county resident like we do with opioids? I, 
where do those deaths come from? Because three to me, it seems extremely low. I mean, uh, for all the traffic we have coming through here, are those deaths getting classified when they come through, you know, the beach traffic and all that? Are they Queen Anne's County deaths at that point, or is that just Queen Anne's County citizens? Just curious. You know, Jack, the, the traffic is moving so slow, I can't imagine anybody really getting hurt in traffic. Well, I mean, it's... I'm just curious, because like I said, they classify deaths between the opioids and the COVID. They do it the exact opposite. And I'm just wondering, first off, why they do I guess it's a money thing. Right. I don't know, but I'm just curious. And you could have the accident here. They're transported to Anne Arundel. I mean, we're lower than Kent County. And they County. pass away there. I mean, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they don't have any high-speed roads in Kent County, you know? So just curious. That's Very it. good. All right, and I have nothing either. So, uh, Second. Favor? All right. Thank you very much.